Hi, and welcome to Orange Pill. I'm your Bitcoin show, Gigi Fiend, and today we are going to talk about, um, this is the first podcast actually, and um, a couple of things motivated me to start this, and I'll go ahead and start with a quick story, um, but before I do, I do have a word to say. Um, I want to start this podcast off with a promise. And that promise is that there will never be a sponsor or never will I accept any type of economic incentive to promote something on this podcast. The only thing that I intend to do is talk about and educate on Bitcoin. I think that there needs to be an unbiased opinion that can give you the pros of Bitcoin and if you look for the cons of Bitcoin, they're all over the news, and they're everywhere, you see. While I will discuss some of the cons that do circle around Bitcoin, I will discuss them in a way that does lead to the argument against them. And whenever I talk about the pros of Bitcoin, I am biased to the point that I am a Bitcoin maximalist, and I do believe that it is the most superior asset class. In addition to that, how this podcast will be able to sustain itself is through something that I call value trading. I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to do my best. And if you think I did a good job, please share it with your friends and family and anyone that you think would be value, that would value this. If I don't do a good job, then please don't do that. Leave a dislike and continue on. Now, why did I want to start this podcast? Well, the other day I posted on Reddit, um, in fact, not just the other day, like in general, I'll post on Reddit, and every once in a while I'll just mention Bitcoin in like a form that doesn't, you know, pertain to Bitcoin, and, you know, you might say, well, you know, if, if you get slack for that, that's your own doing, because, you know, it's not meant to be for Bitcoin, it's meant to be for, you know, X, Y, or Z, but I'll give you an example, like, Someone was mentioning um, instant pay being down for DoorDash. And I'm a DoorDash driver. That's how I kind of maintain some level of cash flow, right? And as I'm continuing here, I do want to say this. My little puppy dog has found some energy here at 1 o'clock in the morning. And he is deciding to run around the house. And um, so I apologize for that right now in advance. Um, I don't really want to lock him up in his crate because, well... He's too cute to. Now, continuing on with the Reddit story. Um, like I was saying, um, you know, if I were to, you know, if I were to post in a Reddit community, it's not about Bitcoin, about Bitcoin, then that, you know, I deserve that, that kind of, you know, heat. You know, I deserve maybe a little bit of, hey, this isn't the community for that. But it was a, it was a post like that was regarding, you know, hey, uh, instant pay isn't working for me on DoorDash, and I'm a DoorDash driver. It's, you know, like I said, it's how I maintain some level of cash flow. You know, you can look at the streams on this podcast. It, it's not like any anybody's being incentivized here to talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> now, I mentioned in the comments, I said, yeah, I've had that happen to me a few times. Whenever you change your debit card, it locks you out for however long for security reasons. I really think it's ridiculous because they make you do all this two-factor authentication just to still lock you out of your account. I, I think it's ridiculous. And that's true. Look, if I enable 2FA, 
And if I have my phone on me, my password, I can verify through email. If a hacker is able to figure out all that, able to get into my cell phone number, able to get into my email, able to get into my 2FA, they have earned my money. God dang it. Like, I'm, like, they have earned my money. And it is your job as a financial institution because DoorDash isn't holding this money, like, under their mattress. All right? They're not holding their money under, like, a mattress or some crap like that. They have a bank account, and their bank accounts are FDIC-insured. So banks assume liability, and in return, they get to loan out this money 10 to 1. Which means that if I deposit $10 into my bank account, and you're in the, uh, let's use 100 if I deposit $100 into my bank account, and you come in and you apply for a credit card, and they approve you for $1,000, guess what? That $100 I deposited is what funds your 1000 So they took my 100 and they just turned it into 1000 and now you take that thousand, you go swipe your car, you know, at a cash register or whatever, you buy some clothes or, you know, you buy some food, and then they get that cash from the bank, they deposit it into their bank account, then that's lended 10 to 1. So banks get quite the privileges, quite the privileges, and they earn, an, they earn yield on that money through interest. So the banks, 10 to 1, 10 to 1 ratio, their only job is to accept liability. They assume liability, not accept, they, they assume. They don't like to accept it, <laughs> but they assume liability. That's their job. However, it's really interesting to me that whenever um, the exam, whenever it's time for the banks to step up to the bat and it's time for them to be the team player, like, hey, this is your chance. This is this this is what you're this is this is why you get to do the ten to one. You get you assume a liability. Like, oh, we don't really feel like it. No, we don't feel like it. And you look around. There's not really any, you know. There's, there's no one to tell them no. The only way to tell them no is to let the let capitalism play its effect and, you know, let someone come into the market and offer a better offering. And, uh, you know, that just hasn't happened. It just hasn't happened. Maybe one day it will. You know, it just hasn't had. There hasn't been another... Let me rephrase that. There hasn't been another food courier that has surpassed DoorDash in, like, in, in my opinion, volume. It seems like door. You can say, "Oh, we'll grow up." It depends on your area, right? And I'm not getting into that today. What I'm saying is that the only way that's going to change is through capitalism. Them losing customers. And that's how it works. That's fine. But the thing is, is I mentioned that. Hey, you know, I would really like to have a mechanism. And this is going to probably go over the heads of everyone that's coming here new. That this is kind of for this statement's. This is this is a little advanced, but just bear with me if you're new here. And you're new to Bitcoin, you're trying to learn. Bear with us here. I said that, hey, DoorDash should just run their own lightning node. If DoorDash were to run their own lightning node, and then every time you dropped off an order, you didn't have to cash out or pay out or anything. It just went right into your lightning wallet. And then you can choose to, you know, take those sats and you can put them in cold storage and you can put them, you can, you know... You can close the tunnel out and you can, you know, put the sats on back on the, you know, layer one. You can put them in cold storage. You'll be fine. But that would be far efficient. There's no fees that, well, there are fees, but, like, you're talking about, a, you know, a 20th of a penny per transaction. It's like $2 to do an instant cash out if you want to do an instant cash out. So if you're cashing out 100 bucks, that's 2%. I'd much rather cash out 100 bucks and pay, you know, a 20th of a penny. And then your other option is to do just the every Tuesday or whatever. They'll send it to your bank, and it's ACH, and it takes two to three days. So I was kind of making the point that, hey, 
and just use the Lightning Network. It, you know, this is what this is what Bitcoin's kind of you know, this is what you know Jack Dorsey and Michael Saylor, this is what they're talking about building on top of Bitcoin as a bedrock. This is a great example for that. This is a great example. You you pay out via the Lightning Network, and that solves everything. It's trustless. It's non-custodian, and it's a sovereign bearer. It's a non-sovereign bearer instrument. But, um, you know, I get heat for that. And people are just calling me, oh, you're a crypto bro, you're a crypto bro. I'm like, hey, don't call me a crypto bro, because that's quite offensive. I do not care about any other, there, there, I'm going to rephrase that. There is no other crypto asset that, that, that even exists to me, except for Bitcoin. You can talk about, I don't even like saying Ethereum. Ethereum, we're not, we're not going to talk about shit coins on this podcast. We're just not going to. The only, there is no second best. It's Bitcoin and shit coins. And dare you call me a crypto bro. Heck no. Heck no, I'm no crypto bro. And then they're like, wait. How do you like Bitcoin and not these other ones? Well, I think it's really clear. Bitcoin's a non-sovereign bearer instrument. Its code is immutable. It can never be changed. It is. Bitcoin is. Bitcoin exists. It is what it is. No one can change it. No one can stop it. If you had a gun to my head and you said, you got to stop it, you got to stop it, I couldn't do it. Nobody could. If you, I mean, if you went to the President of the United States and you said, Mr. Joe, President Joe Biden, you, you got you to you stop Bitcoin. And Joe Biden said, yeah, 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 we got to, we got to, we got to. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. There was, uh, whenever the Pirate Bay, Pirate Bay was a pirating website where you could pirate movies and TV shows and whatever have you, uh, software. There were those people who hosted the Pirate Bay, they raided like their location, they took it offline, but then it popped back up the next day. The thing is, is that the people on the Pirate Bay, they were the run ones running the servers, and they were the only ones running the server. Now, Imagine if the Pirate Bay had a million different locations with a million different servers. Well, now you're like, well, shoot. They'd have to have a million different raids at a million different locations to raid a million different servers. Well, that's Bitcoin. They, the government struggled to take down the Pirate Bay. And in fact, I think it might even still be up, to be honest with you. Or at least another version of it is up. The government couldn't stop it. They, 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 it was one team, one little ragtag team of coders. And they literally trembled. You think they're going to be able to stop Bitcoin? That's a million times, like, more secure? Billions. Like, like, not even millions. It's, like, an order of magnitude that's beyond, like, a conceivable number. Exponentially more difficult to take down than anything else that... No, it's impossible. So, that's why I believe in Bitcoin. Ethereum has the Ethereum Foundation. All it takes is a call to Vitalik. You can go to Vitalik Buter and you say, Vitalik, man, you know what? I don't really like this. You know, you got to turn it off, bro. And maybe Vitalik won't like to. But the fact that he has the power to do it, and he does. And someone could argue, well, the politics of Ethereum are a little different than what they were in 2016, 2017, with the Dow and the fork and the hong. You know, you know, I don't really care. The fact of the matter is that Ethereum has a dev team and they do hard forks like at least three or four, like no, more than three or four times a year. They hard fork it all the time and they update the code. They change it. They have control over the network. There is security. It's controlled by a group of people. It's no different than a stalker. You know, it's no different than you know, Elon Musk with Tesla stock. 
you know, they're talking about doing like a, I don't even know what it's called, I'm just not, I know a little bit about the stock market, but not really that much, uh, they talked about doing like some type of reverse split or something, like, I don't even know if it was like, for every one share, there'd now be four, uh, for every four shares, there'd now be one, one of the two, and, um, they, they can reissue shares. They have control over it, and they have, guess what? The SEC determines that to be a security, so what they do is they have to disclose all these disclosures. They have to, like, list out, you know, disclose, like, information. You know, like, hey, that's a list of disclosure of, hey, we have the power to do this, and these are the risks. Well, guess what? A lot of technology, and you can look at, like, Airbnb and, like, Uber, you know, a lot of technology kind of grows by um, just do it and then ask for forgiveness later. It, that's just kind of how technology goes. Technology doesn't really ever get anyone's permission. So I give them their props there, right? But that doesn't make it not a security. Just as much as it doesn't make Airbnb, you know, ethically wrong for raising rents in, like, certain cities because, you know, companies can go in there and lease out the entire apartment complex and then, you know, sell it for a larger price by the room day to tourists. You know, so it doesn't make it ethical, because they can just do it. Just as much as the Airbnb or Uber went out and just did it. Did they ask for forgiveness later? Yeah. Did they get their forgiveness? Yes. Did they write laws and pass legislation to make it fair? Yeah. But did it make it ethical? Did it make it right? So you got Ethereum over here. And they're forking the crap out of it. They're completely killing off an entire mining community. Part of which is myself. Um, I started mining Ethereum before I really understood, you know, Bitcoin and Bitcoin maximalism. And once I kind of was on my crypto journey, I kind of came to that conclusion. And, um, you know, I admit to it, you know, I'm, I'm contributing to a network and I'm, in essence, selling unregulated securities because I'm the one minting the damn things on the blockchain. And um, I'm the one minting the Ethereum because whenever you issue a new block, you get the block reward which is from the Coinbase, which is a new issuance of coins. And so, basically, I'm, you know, minting these coins, creating them, and then I'm turning around and I'm selling them to people who don't probably really understand what's going on, and that's unethical, and I will admit to that. I'll admit to that. It, it just is what, it, like I said, a lot of capitalism is do what you got to do and then ask for forgiveness later. So, if, if that's what everyone else is doing, that's just what what I'm going to do. And, I, and for the record, I do not hold any Ethereum. The, my Ethereum has gone through a website called Two Miners. So I give Two Miners my hash rate. They use my hash rate to mine Ethereum and their giant pool of miners. And then whatever Ethereum that I make that day, they exchange it to Bitcoin for me and then they send it to my Bitcoin wallet. Because my ass doesn't want to touch no damn shitcoin to begin with. I don't want anything to do with that. And I think that, you know, you could say it does, you could say it doesn't. I don't really think it does because it's my damn hash at the end of the day. I, two miners can't keep me from turning my rigs off or using my hash for myself. Is it, It's two miners, you know, you could, you know, it's two miners is technically buying my hash rate for me for Bitcoin. But they're using my hash rate for X, Y, and Z. And it's unethical in my opinion. But I'm not just going to sit here and let, say, oh, well, my, you know, $25,000 investment into GPUs, I'm just going to stop because, um... The SEC hasn't made a decision about it yet. No, I'm not going to do that. Damn, did we get off on a tangent there. But it's what this podcast is for. And for, for everyone that's kind of new to, like, crypto, and I, I, I say crypto because 
I'm trying to frame this in a way to where you can, for the newcomers to understand it. And for you to understand why Bitcoin is so ethical, you do kind of have to understand why the other ones aren't. So, yeah, I'll, I'll call it crypto space, you know. But the thing is, is that there's no promotion of these securities. The only thing that's promoted here is Bitcoin because it's ethical to do so. Because um, it's not a security. In fact, the SEC Gary Gensler said Bitcoin is not a security. Bitcoin is digital property. Your NFTs are not property. Gary didn't say that. Gary said Bitcoin is. Gary said the jury's still out on all these other things. He, he's like, oh, these look like securities to me. Well, well, I don't know if he said that, but it's kind of laying in that way. If you look where the wind's blowing, it's blowing that way because it doesn't take it doesn't take anyone to look at that and say, yeah, it looks like the security. It's controlled by a group of people. Look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not controlled by a group of people. It's probably property. The other one's a security. And if you have a security, then you need to have the list of disclosures. It's not ethical to sell without those. Now, here's the thing, is that I get roasted in these reddits, right? I get roasted in these reddits, like, oh, you, you know, you crypto bro, crypto bro, crypto bro. And I'm like, no, I'm not crypto bro, it's offensive, you know, it's, I'm promoting Bitcoin, it's ethical. And they're like, oh, well, it's, it's to get rich, right? You know, Bitcoin is to get, you know, it's, you invest into it and then you get rich. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? And people, like, somehow they conflate, like, that with Forex somehow. And I'm like, where are you even, what, what thoughts are we connecting here? You're connecting Bitcoin with, like, a guaranteed rich pass. And then you're saying, oh, yeah, and Forex. And I'm like, y'all are, like, what? And so that's why I'm making this. Because it's very evident that people don't understand what Bitcoin is and I feel like I gotta do my part you know Michael Saylor's out I'm no, I'm no Michael Saylor so that man is a genius but I, you know Michael Saylor's out there doing his part hey, all these other Bitcoiners that I admire are doing their part so this is my way of doing my part I think that education about Bitcoin is very vital because the reason that the world hasn't just gone Oh shit, yeah, Bitcoin's the way. It's because they have no idea what it is. So I want you to think of this. I'll, I'll give you an analogy for you newcomers. Whenever Bill Gates was creating like Microsoft and it was the boom of the internet and the internet was just not a thing, go back on YouTube and I want you to look at like what people were saying about the internet whenever no one really even knew what it was. Um... I remember one video, and I bring this up a lot when I talk to people. It's Bill Gates sitting down on a late night show. I, it might have, I don't even know who it was. It might have, I know I'm wrong, but I'm just going to think like Stephen Colbert. I don't know. It's not, no, no, no. I don't know who it was. It was really old. It was before my time. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, I heard, you know, the, the host is telling Bill Gates. He's like, yeah, you know, I heard, you know, this internet thing, man. It's, it's really, like, what the hell is it? Like. I heard the other day, like, a baseball game, like, the radio was going to play on the internet, and, like, you could listen to the baseball game on the internet, and I just kind of sat back, and I said, um, hello, radio, and the whole crowd, like, kind of laughed, 
like, yeah, yeah, get him, get him. We got our radio. We, why, why, we don't need this internet. We, we got radio. And Bill's just kind of sitting in this chair like, going, well, it's not really the same. But, but the thing is, it's like, that's all people thought. So you got to think to yourself, like, well, what made them switch over? What made them switch over? Well, here's what made them switch over. The grandpa that's sitting in his couch, listening to baseball, goes on vacation. And he realizes that he's not going to be able to listen to a baseball game on vacation. And it's not on the TV because of the uh, local restrictions and such. And so he's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not listening to the baseball game. But then his grandson says, uh, Grandpa, why, what are you talking about? I, here, I got it on my phone. And Grandpa says, wait, what? You got it on your phone? The radio? He's like, well, it's not the radio, Grandpa. It's, it's the internet. But, um, yeah, you just go to, you know, um, I'm not going to, I don't endorse cheaters, so I'll, I'll say uh, I'll say the Texas Rangers. Yeah, you can listen to the Texas Rangers right here. Um, you know, here, listen to the Texas Rangers. And he's like, whoa, you bring this with you anywhere? You listen so I can be like cutting the grass and popping my headphones? And he's like, yeah, he, this, this is the internet. And so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the same, but it's different. It's different. It's much different. And it's different in a way that benefits, like, quality of life. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, we can listen to baseball games. Wow, we can listen to baseball games. But I think we both know the Internet's a lot bigger than that. The Internet has changed how human society functions. It's a lot bigger than baseball games when you listen to one on the radio. So, with all that said, people look at Bitcoin and they say, oh, yeah, you know, it's all means to make money. And then some people know a little bit more like, oh, yeah, cool. You can have your old Bitcoin address and, you know, you can buy stuff illegally online. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, and they like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? You're the same dude. That was back in the 90s and such was saying, oh, yeah, yo, yo, baseball uh, on the Internet. What? I have the radio. Hello. It, you're the same person. Like, oh, Bitcoin. I don't need that. I have my Wells Fargo that opens credit cards for me. Hello. Come on now. Because I'm going to tell you another story here. I had a Venmo account at one point, and I was selling a MacBook computer. I didn't need it for school anymore. I was selling it on Facebook Marketplace. So I met this person in person, and he's like, hey, I got Venmo. I was like, I don't really use Venmo. He's like, well, here, I'll teach you how to set it up. It's really easy. It's like, okay, cool. And I set up the Venmo account. He sent me the money. He got his computer. I went home. I went to go link my card for the instant cash out because I don't want to wait on these people. Like, I want my money now. Let's, let's, let's go. Said no go. No go on the instant cash out. Um, you got to do it uh, the standard to your Bank of America account. I said, well, that sucks. It's kind of hoping to use this money for, you know, take care of some bills and stuff. But, um, yeah, whatever. Cool. Send it to my Bank of America account five days later. No go. Nothing happens. Call it Venmo. They're like, hey, um, yeah, we just need a picture of your driver's license. Email it here. I'm like, I don't worry feel comfortable with that but I want my $900 so yeah sure I'll, I'll send you a picture of my driver's license front and back sent them that tried to cash out again still no go call them back again they said 
we just don't feel like we want to give you an account right now. You know, it's just it, our our risk tolerance is so much. I'm like your risk tolerance. You don't even you don't even run my credit or anything. You, all you have about me is like my first and last name, my driver's license, like my email, my date of birth, and my address. That's all anyone has. How am I less? How am I less or more of a risk than anyone else? They're like, hey man, I don't know, bro. It's just you. It's just the system. It's just the. It's just the system. Well, that's not good enough of an answer. That's not good enough of an answer. They told me that they were gonna, just going to close up my account. They don't want to provide me with one. That they'll mail me a check in six months. That check never came. I've called Venmo millions of times. They can't even find my account. They pretend I don't even exist. And don't pretend like this can't happen to you because it definitely can. You wake up the next morning, you realize the Bank of America says, your money's ours now, bitch. And you're like, oh, well, there's FDIC insurance. Look at the look at what's going on in China. They this The CPP, you know, they, they ended up issuing like, I think up to like, geez, I, I would... I can I can Google it right now because I really don't want to misquote anything here. I really want to get my facts straight. So let me Google this CPP um, bank bailout. Hopefully this tells me what they did. Capital purchase program. Oh, I think it's CCP. My bad. I'm an idiot. China Bank Bailout Fund. I'm just going to say China. Um, let me see here. I'm looking. China reads massive bail bank out. Wasn't really planning on going on this tangent. It's just kind of off the cuff here. But I, I think it was somewhere around five grand. Like, per account. I'll tell you what happened. Um... And you're going to have to, you're really going to have to, like, bear with me on these numbers because I don't have them in front of me. So I might be off by some basis points on terms of the yield. And I might be off, you know, on how much they bailed out. But the underlying story is factual. So I can't find the information right now. I'd have to do some more extensive research. Um, this is what happened. Uh, there was a bank in China. And they were offering some really good yield. I think it was like 4 or 5% interest on your savings account. Just something really stupid good. And what they didn't, they, they did like, it was supposed to be like insured by like the China Communist Party, you know, whatever. And I'm not going to sit here and talk politics. You know, what China's got going for them works for them. What America's got going for America works for America. Just butt out and mind your own damn business. Now... Supposed to be like government insured, da 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 da. Just like America, it's like there's no, there's no difference here. China covers their citizens' bank deposits. America covers their citizens' bank deposits. China's a government. America's a government. Let's just keep it a hundred for a minute here, guys. Now, they deposit into the savings account, and then one day there was a run on the yen. Uh, not maybe not yen. It was the, the the Chinese don't have the yen. That's the Japanese. Um, the one, run on. Uh, uh, I'm probably I'm probably really butchering this. Run on the Chinese dollar. Let's just call it that. Just run on the Chinese dollar, and guess what? 
there wasn't enough money to back up the deposits. So they just said, hey, there's a security outage. No access to your money. Come to find out, after riots and protests, people getting shot in the freaking like, face, looks like, on the, if you look, in, look up any of the protest videos, people just in regular clothes just running in, like, hordes, just grabbing people and like, throwing them off the steps of, like, the banks, saying, you don't get your money. Ain't your money. Um, all their money was gone, bro. They invested the money into, like, securities and stuff, and they lost it all. It wasn't regulated. It was supposed to be, but it wasn't. Um, and if you don't think that'll happen here in America, just ask 2008, bro. Go ask 2008 what happened. I'll tell you what happened. Mortgage crisis. They sold securities of home loans to unsuspecting borrowers, and it was a house of cards that fell. And if the government didn't come in and bail out, guess what? That house of cards would have fallen, and everyone would have lost their money. Well, guess what? The China Communist Party, they came in and they did a little bailouts. Some people had their life's goddamn savings in there. You know? It'll immediately $5,000. Ain't dog piss. Ain't dog piss, bro. So, so keep, keep on saying that crap won't happen here. Keep on saying it. There's no difference. There's no difference. It has happened here repeatedly. Except the thing is that the government bails them out every time. Guess what? In order to bail someone out, someone, someone has to pay the piper. The piper has to be paid. So what they do is they go and print 10% of the money supply. And what they do is they just distribute 10% of the wealth to everybody. Everyone takes the hit. Everyone does. Piper has to be paid. So, keep saying that won't happen here in America. It, it has. But one day there might not be a bailout. One day you might not be so fortunate. <sighs> so there's the example of that. Chinese Communist Party. So you think that you can wake up one day and, oh, yeah, my money's safe in my Bank of America account, you know. Yes, it can most definitely happen. Bitcoin solves that. Let me tell you why Bitcoin solves that. Because it's a non-sovereign, non-custodial bearer instrument. Meaning that nobody can tell you that it's not your Bitcoin. Nobody can tell you you can't send your Bitcoin. If you have, now, for the newcomers, one Bitcoin is One Bitcoin <laughs> is subdividable by what we call satoshis. So it's kind of like you got a hundred pennies and a dollar, you know, or you have twenty nickels and a dollar, or you have four quarters and a dollar, or ten dimes. You know, it's a decimal place. Well, Bitcoin doesn't really work in decimal places. You know, you could. It's really difficult to say. I have 0 0.0035 Bitcoin. 0 0.0, was it two or three zeros? It, it's hard to say. It's, it's a mouthful. Just as much as it is to say, it, it, just as hard as it is to say, I, or how weird it is to say, I have $27.18. No, you say I have $27.18. Well, one Bitcoin is subdividable by a unit that we call Satoshis. Are sats for short. So, um, satoshis and sats, pennies and cents. See how those are similes. They are, you know, they're not interchangeable. They're mutually exclusive, but they are, they are similes. They are similar in nature. Now, 
one Bitcoin equals 100 million sats or satoshis of Bitcoin. That's the unit of measurement. One Bitcoin is subdividable by 100 million satoshis. So if I say I have 0.0035 Bitcoin, the proper way to say that would be I have 350,000 Bitcoin. I mean, god damn. I have 350,000 satoshi. Yeah, I wish I had 350,000 Bitcoin. God damn. Um, the, the proper way of saying that is I have 350,000 sats. I have 350,000 satoshis of Bitcoin. Just as much as it's proper to say I have 85 pennies or I have 85 cents. You don't say I have .85. People will look at you like you're weird. Well, in the Bitcoin community, Bitcoins are subdividable by satoshis. So, you can you don't have to have. And this is a question I get a lot, and it's, it's I, I guess I'm so deeply vested. I've been just in the Bitcoin space for so long that it's just kind of like really that's you don't think that you can. People think that they have to have like a whole Bitcoin, like you like you can only buy one Bitcoin, like it's a share of stock, like you don't own the stock unless you own the whole stock. That's not how Bitcoin works. You can go buy, like. What is it right now? Like probably like two thousand something sats for like a dollar. I think the price right now is like twenty three k. So I think you can get like like two thousand something sats for like a dollar. That sounds about right. I have to do the math here. We'll do the math right now. Cause I want to be right. Cause I'm gonna have some maxi in the chat. Like I, oh, dumbass, you didn't do the fucking math right. So let's say that you know, price is twenty four thousand. Well, we're going to go ahead and just take one Bitcoin, which is 100 million Satoshis. We're just going to divide that by 24,000. Oh, well, it's actually 4,100 Satoshis. So, for every dollar, you can buy like 4,166 sets right now. That's a lot easier than saying, I can buy 0.0000004166 Bitcoin. It's a lot, a lot easier to say the Satoshi method, right? So, now that we know that we can keep a very small sum of Bitcoin in our wallet, you can keep this with you, and you can have you have your private keys. And I'll, I guess we're gonna, I guess now we're getting into the weeds of Bitcoin, and how Bitcoin works really. And I don't really like, I'm preaching if if I don't explain Bitcoin, and I just kind of continue on this little tangent here. Then I'm preaching to the choir of Bitcoin maximalists. They're like, yeah, no shit. And if I just continue on this tangent and the newcomers are here, then the newcomers are like, oh, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. So let's talk about Bitcoin and let's talk about like what what is Bitcoin at its core and like what's the protocol say? What's Bitcoin? What is it? So I'm not going to go Michael Saylor on you and say, oh, well, Bitcoin is a digital energy. It's a thermally dynamic superior asset, which it is. But I'm not going to go there. Um, we're going to keep this simple. Imagine, so for your newcomers, here's your orange pill for today. Imagine you and your friends are, like, trying to, like, keep track of who owes who money. Because y'all go out to eat and shit all the time, right? Y'all go out to eat and shit. Y'all go to the movies and... It's really fucking inconvenient to, like, tell your waiter. And kind of embarrassing. It makes you look like, like, you know, it's just an inconvenience. So, like, can you split the ticket eight ways, please? He had the steak. She had the shrimp gumbo. Like, no. It's, it's a lot easier to say, okay, Mike, you pick up the tab. And then we'll 
keep track of who, and then you know we'll all get squared up later. You know, I think the I think the right now how it's done is like just through using like services like Cash App and you know Apple Pay and stuff. But you know, for a second, let's pretend you and your friends are making your own version of that, because that those are you know those are you know I'm not getting into those are securities. It, Apple controls that. It, like Venmo money, that's a security. Cash App money, that's a security. Apple Cash money, Apple Credit, those are securities because it's controlled by a person. Y'all don't want this controlled by a person. Y'all want to control this. Y'all want to have a fair distributed ledger amongst yourselves to be able to keep track of who owes who what, which is a fair and reasonable thing you might want to do. So anyways, so as you're making this thing, you realize to yourself, well, why keep somebody from just like running up a tab, right? So you like distribute the ledger to everyone. Everyone has a copy of it. And then like when you go out to eat, someone's like, okay, so Mikey's paying for it. So Mikey, you just paid $86 for dinner and there's four of us here. Um, so Jennifer, your meal was $22. So there you go, Jennifer, 22. Everyone got their ledgers. Okay, Jennifer to Mikey, $22. All right, uh, Daniel, your dinner was, you know, $15. So everyone, Daniel to Mikey, $15. And then mine, um, I'm you know, Bridget, and so Bridget to Mikey for $28. Everyone got that down? All right, sweet. So Mikey now has, you know, that sum of value on his ledger. So everyone, now examine what happened right there. The transactions were announced. Everyone heard it. Everyone put it down. Everyone, and, and you're like, well, was there consent for the transaction to be posted? Yes, because everyone could, the, the, the mode of consensus was, we are all watching him right now say, yes, I ate the food, I owe Mikey the money, I'm sending Mikey the money. That's the mode of consensus. That's the consent. Visual, I see him, there it is. Maybe, you're like, well, what if you're not in person? Well, maybe y'all could use like text messaging, maybe y'all have a group chat. And then someone in the group chat posts, you know, a, you know, a text message and says, hey, I'm sending Mikey 20 bucks. Everyone sees the group chat text message and then boom. And you're like, oh, well, you know, what if someone hacks into his phone? Well, now we're really reaching here, but I mean, we got face ID and passwords and codes. It would be, it'd, it'd be really silly, right? It's like not even worth it. Like you're really going to like go grab someone's phone to try to put in a, you're going to, First of all, there's only like eight actors on this little distributed network that you have with your friends in this hypothetical. And, um, like, it would be foolish for Bridget to take the phone from, you know, Daniel, try to hack into Daniel's phone, and she would just have to guess and check all day. She would just have to put in his password a million times, and hopefully she gets it right. It's kind of unreasonable. It's kind of like, eh, she's not going to fucking figure it out. She's going to get locked out. Not going to happen. Yeah, I know. That, and, in a, and in a simplistic way, that's a really simple way of saying how Bitcoin works. And if you look back on that, you'll be like, oh, yeah, it is kind of like guessing and checking. Yeah, which it is. That is a method of consensus for Bitcoin. It's called proof of work. We'll learn more about that later. Another podcast for another day. Right now we're just learning about ledgers. And, cons and consensus and different mechanisms and different ways for consensus to happen through a decentralized uh, ledger. Now, let's let that sink in for a second. 
You gotta distribute that ledger amongst all your friends. Um, someone can post in a group chat or whenever you're all together, they can speak up and send a transaction. And um, everyone jots, jots it down. Now, here's a problem that you might run into is that you might say, well, you know, what keeps someone from running a tab? And then, uh, you know, Mikey wants to redeem his ledger dollars. We'll call, we'll call the money on the ledger ledger dollars. Um, Mikey wants to redeem his 50 ledger dollars for real dollars so he can pay his fucking rent. And so he goes, and he's like, okay, guys, I want to redeem this cash. And I was like, oh, mom, let me see. Do I have cash? So a way to fix this is just you just got to buy in. So at the beginning of the, you know, when the ledger was created, um, Bridget put in $100, Mikey put in $100, Daniel put in $100, and Jessica put in $100, right? And they all put in 100 bucks, and the ledger would read, the first lines of the ledger would read, Jessica gets $100, Mikey, you know, so on and so on. Everyone gets $100. That way, you know, if Mikey says, oh, yeah, I got 50 bucks of ledger dollars right now, I would like to cash out. There's liquidity right there for Mikey to do so. It's guaranteed one-to-one -one ratio. You know, that's important. Okay, so we fixed that, right? So now Mikey can redeem his ledger dollars, and anyone can exchange ledger dollars for U.S. dollars. And in essence, that's kind of how, like, global currencies work. You know, dollar to yen, dollar to euro. You know, you can exchange dollars for euro, so it's just, it's just the same, same. That's a really simple way of putting how Bitcoin works. Nodes are the friends. Bridget's a no in, in the Bitcoin aspect on how Bitcoin works. Bridget's a no Bridget runs a Bitcoin node. Everyone that's an actor on the network runs a Bitcoin node. And whenever you want to send a transaction, you basically broadcast it to the network. Say, hey, everybody, I'm sending this address in Bitcoin. And all the nodes look up. They're like, look at her account. Yep, she can do that. Check. Move this money to here. Done. Now, you might be thinking, well, what if like three quarters of the nodes are like, only some of the nodes, or maybe like a percentage of the nodes, just say, fuck that, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take it, take it, sure. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to take this transaction. No. All the other nodes are just going to say, all right, bro, see you later. <laughs> that's that's exactly what's gonna happen. All right, bro. See you later. And whenever that person says, "Oh well, you know, I'm gonna send some Bitcoin now," the other nodes are gonna say, "Nah, update your shit. Update your shit, and then you can do the transactions with the rest of us." Because this is the decentralized democracy, and you don't just get to say, "No, you don't get to send out Bitcoin." You don't get to say that. Majority of the nodes say this transaction happened. This transaction happened. Update your shit and come back to us. Because that, that whatever blockchain you're on, whatever ledger you're on, isn't the same as our ledger because you didn't record those transactions. And if our ledgers are different, that's not Bitcoin, bro. It's not. So... And so whenever you broadcast that, you know, the nodes will say, okay, cool. And they kind of put it in what's like called a block. And this is kind of where we get into like blockchain, right? Um, so think of your bank statement, right? Your bank statement comes every month. And what is it? It's an itemized list of transactions throughout the month. Now, 
not only do the items and the amounts matter, but the order of those items matter. Because I'll give you an example. Let's say your rent's due on the 1st, and you get paid on the 27th. So you get paid on the 27th, and then your rent comes auto-drafts out on the 1st. Cool. What if got paid on the 3rd, auto-drafted on the 1st, transaction denied? Now your account balance is different because your landlord's going, I need my money, bro. I need my money. And your bank account says, hey, you got, you know, $2,600 in here. You know, this is your money. So the amount of money in your bank account is different. Yeah, you owe your landlord the money and I hope you pay him, right? Them. I, I said them. I hope you pay, you know, her. What's called it? Her. Well, I hope you pay your, her, you know, her money, the landlord. Right? That's the ethical thing to do. You gotta pay you gotta, you gotta pay your rent. But the fact is that your account balance is just different because of the order of the transactions. Well, it goes without saying that the order of the transactions is really important for Bitcoin as well. So who gets to determine the order of these transactions? Well, in part the miners kinda get to determine the order of the transactions. And now we're like, well what what's a miner? I've heard about these before. It's they are really energy consuming and da 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 da. Look that's a topic for another day. We'll get into that. There's a lot of things we can get into. Let's talk about miners, though. Miners are what send out these bank statements that come every month. Except on Bitcoin, the bank statement includes everybody's account history. And they get issued every on average every 10 minutes. Sometimes it's quick, right? Like sometimes um, the miners will add a couple in a minute. And like, whoa, we just had three blocks get hit within a minute. And sometimes it's an hour, and you said, shit, it's been an hour and a half, and we've had no block. Here's why. Um, a really difficult math problem has to get solved for the next block to be added. Like, well, why does it have to be like this really hard math problem? Because it needs to be hard enough to where I can't just hop on my computer and then start adding blocks free willy-nilly. Because when a block gets added to the Bitcoin network, whenever transactions post and they're confirmed in a block, it is pretty much law. No, not pretty much. Code is law. It is law. Once a block is posted on the Bitcoin network, it is law. It is set in stone for all of eternity and it will not change. That's pretty significant. You probably don't want a bunch of people just being able to free willy-nilly add blocks to it. So, our consensus for adding transactions to the ledger was just a text message for our friend group. For the Bitcoin network, is our uh, consensus is called proof of work. What proof of work is, is we're gonna do a really, we're gonna issue a really, really, really hard math problem every time a new block is issued. So the nodes, well, here are the transactions. Transactions will come in, they'll organize them into a block. And then just as a trivia, blocks cannot exceed one megabyte in size. So there's a limit to how many transactions can be in each block. And we'll get into there's Bitcoin Max, he's yelling, but Segway you can do two, Segway, Segway, you can do two megabytes. Yeah, okay, look, we're keeping it simple here. We'll talk about Segway later. Keeping it simple is one megabyte block size. 
Alright? Now, nodes will hear these transactions. They'll organize them in a block. Any transactions that don't fit into this block go into what we call the mem pool. Imagine it's, you know, it's like on your... Well, I'm actually not going to use that analogy because that's really technical. Um, it's just like you're, you're writing on... You're writing at a bus stop. You're waiting for the next bus to come. There's a lot of people at the damn bus stop. Bus comes, it can fit 20 people. There's 30 people. Well, guess what? People who've been waiting in line gonna get on the bus first. The other people gotta wait for the next bus. That's how Bitcoin works, right? Except it's not who's been waiting in line, it's whoever pays the most transaction fees. Which is usually like a couple pennies. You know, if, you, if you're willing to wait, it's a couple pennies. If you want it to happen, it's 80 cents or so. Depending on your throughput. It's, I'm keeping it simple here. You wait on the bus. That's the mempool. The mempool is waiting on the bus to come. Now, nodes will take these transactions. They'll organize them. They'll determine, you know, who's paying the highest fees and such. And they'll organize them, you know, top top bid gets top priority. Um, so maybe someone paid, you know, 20 bucks because they're like, I'm sending $10 million. I don't go damn rat's ass about no 20 bucks. I want to be in that next block guaranteed. Like 20 bucks, like damn, bro. That's quite a bit of Bitcoin there. But, um, yeah, each their own. Go for it. You know, it's all you, bro. And then, you know, you got, you know, other people on the blockchain that are like, ah, just, you know, I'm sending 20 bucks. I just, you know, one set per virtual byte, you know, four cents. Um, and, you know, it just depends on, you know, so you're prioritizing that way. So, for the fifth time, those will organize these transactions into a block. And whenever you do that, a math problem happens it's just a naturally i'm not gonna get into like the really nitty gritty bitty bits of this just know that once they all come into a block it's like um if i said two plus two equals four but let's take out the twos right so it says x plus x equals blank and let's pretend there's just two transactions going through. And so it's like one's for one Bitcoin and one's for two Bitcoin. And so it's one plus two equals three. But then there's a third transaction. So now the, now the, now the answer's changed because it's, they're sending half a Bitcoin. So it's one plus two plus 0.5 equals 3.5. The answer changed. Well, guess what? You can't go backwards and take out the 0.5 because then the answer changed. So you can't go back and manipulate the little numbers, right? You can't go backwards and change the block. Because if you change the block, you change the math problem. If you change the math problem, you change the damn solution. If you change the solution, it's not Bitcoin. So I hope that, I, I think that's, not just kidding me. I, I think that's the best way I've described this math problem. So, and there's like a couple thousand transactions that happen on Bitcoin. So imagine... Having to add up all those little da 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 Now, here's the deal. There's calculators that could solve that in nanoseconds. Nanoseconds. So it's got to be a lot harder. So it uses the, the steep in the woods. Just bear with me here. It's going to spit it out. It's going to let it hit the table and just look at it. <laughs> it uses an encryption mechanism called SHA-256. It's a non-reversing engineering math computation. You can't reverse engineer it pretty much. It's like an input and an output. So it's like English or Spanish. English is high. Spanish is hola. English is high. 
Chinese is Ni Hao. So, guess what? If I didn't tell you that Hai was Ni Hao, and I just went up to you and said Ni Hao, and you didn't speak Chinese, you wouldn't know what the fuck I'm saying. There's no way for you to reverse engineer that. Unless you knew that that was the answer. Well, same for Bitcoin. It's Whenever you have an input that's like, you know, two Bitcoin, the output is like 256 characters long. It's like just stupid, ridiculous. And then one little change in it, you know, you do 2.01 Bitcoin from that address with the signature and everything. It's, it's a lot that goes into it. And what you're basically looking for is you're basically just randomly guessing and checking. Like imagine like a password. You know how we talked about, um, you know, Mikey's phone or Daniel's phone and Bridget had to try to punch in the password to try to get into his phone to be able to send the text message to the group to send some of Daniel's money so she could theoretically steal it. Well, imagine the Bitcoin network encryption of SHA-256 says, okay, with these transactions, these transactions are the variables in this math problem. I want you to add a random, so it's like, our example of the 2 plus 1 plus 0 0.05. I want you to add another plus something to where the output equals the number I'm guessing in my head. And I'll just let you know if you ever guess it. And you're like, well, wait, I don't know, like, like what's, what could it be between? And the Bitcoin network's like, oh, between... One and um like ten to the uh two to the power of sixty. So between one and two to the power of sixty. And like two to the power of sixty, that's like an uncomprehendable number. And the Bitcoin network says, Yeah, I know. Best of luck. Let's see it happen. And so these Bitcoin mining computers are like just guessing constantly, just boom, 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 boom. And they're just guessing and guessing and guessing and guessing. An ant miner um, what's it called? An S19J Pro does like 103 terahash a second. So I call those hashes. So every time I guess is called a hash. So um, 104 terahash. That is 104 trillion guesses a second. Which means in 100 seconds, like a minute and 40 seconds, it just burned through like 10 quadrillion guesses. That's crazy. And that's a minute and 20 seconds. And that's one machine. There's Bitcoin mining facilities that have thousands of these fucking things. But let's look at what the Bitcoin hash rate is right now as of today. What is the... And when I say hash rate, I mean the guess rate. Like, what's the guess rate of which we're trying to solve this problem? Bitcoin hash we're getting close to an hour here, so we're going to have to wrap this up. And there's like a lot of people trying to explain to me what the Bitcoin hash... What is the Bitcoin hash rate chart? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be explaining what the Bitcoin hash rate is. I need to know what the chart... I, need, I want the chart. It's... It's 2.12 exohash. Which is... Okay, so that's a... One... Thousands, millions, trillions, patillions, one after patillions, and then exohash. So you basically, you know, 2.12 exohash is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. It's 
um, how do I say this? 212 times 10 to the power of 18. So, 212 with 18 zeros at the end of it. That's how many guesses per second are happening right now on the Bitcoin network. And with that many guesses, we're able to solve the next block every 10 minutes. And uh, it goes, you know, one guess is a hash, a thousand guesses is a kilohash, a million guesses is a mega hash, a billion guesses is a giga hash, a trillion guesses is a, tr is a tera hash, a, 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 a quadrillion guesses is a petahash, and then one quintillion guesses is an exahash. Then if you want to go to sextillion, it's zeta hash, and then one septillion is a yoda hash. That's, I didn't know that one. I'm just looking at this website. It's pretty cool. That's what it is. So if you were like, well, well what's, you know, it, it you could take that number to 212, times it by 60. So I'll just pull out the calculator again. I'm going to jump around these last three minutes here. Pull out the calculator. 212. 212 exahashes times 60. So, you know, 12,720, which means that there's um, 12 zeta hashes happening every minute. Well, that means we take that 12 zeta hashes, multiply it by 10. That means that on average, how many guesses needs to happen before the next block adds? You have to guess about 127 sextillion times. Think about that. 127 sextillion times. That's how many guesses of that password have to be guessed before someone finds it. Now, there's luck. Sometimes you get stupid lucky and you guess it like within a terra, like within a trillion guesses or within a quadrillion guesses. We'll say a quadrillion. I'm sure that it's been guessed between a trillion guesses before. It has. I can almost guarantee it. Um, but let's just say, you know, it gets stupid lucky and the Bitcoin network finds a block in 30 seconds and it's like within a quadrillion guesses. That happens. Sometimes sometimes it takes um, a septillion amount of guesses before a block gets added. That happens. Happens, happens all the time. That's 100 minutes. No. That's only yeah, it's 100 minutes because it's a multiple of 10. But that if you want to be exact, it's like, like, 85, like, no, I'm, my mad, my brain just clicked and then it went off. Um, yeah, we're just going to call it that. It's, hot. it's 80 minutes. There it is. 80 minutes. About 85 minutes or so for one Yoda hash. Uh, one septillion guesses on the network. So that's Bitcoin. That's how you add the next block of transactions. So you can think real quick, like, oh, well, you know. If I guess the number, then I might be able to slip in a transaction that's not valid. Well, then we go back to the other solution of the other question of what if a node decides to ignore a transaction? All the other nodes say, well, what the fuck are you doing, bro? What the fuck? You ain't got the same ledger as us. Well, if you run your own node and you find a block and you slip in a transaction that's fake, all the other nodes are going to say, wait, you took that one node, made that block from that one node, and then added it to the chain. 
um, fork and it forks off. And guess what you have to do? Your mining equipment has to beat the other network. You have to beat everyone else. So you, you don't just have to find one block. You have to find the next block, then the next block, then the next, then the next, then the next, then the next. You got to keep on finding blocks quicker than the rest of the network for long enough for everyone to believe that, oh, yeah, he. I guess that is a real one. It is so inconceivably hard to add one block. You might do it once in your lifetime. You're not going to add them back to back to back to back to back to back to back for hours on end. And even if you did, like, it's so inconceivable that would even happen to begin with. It's like, geez, like, it's not even possible. It's like, there'd be a, it, a bigger chance that an asteroid hits the Earth and splashes all the smithereens. Even if you were to get that far, the other nodes would probably just still say, yeah, you're just a fork, though. You're not really Bitcoin. Because you'd have to convince the rest of the nodes. It's a DDoS attack, I guess you could say. Maybe not. You know, I'm not really too versed in that area. I think it's. I think it would be classified as a DDoS attack. Correct me if I'm wrong. Because um, I sure don't know everything. And, uh, yeah, to convince the rest of the nodes. The only way to convince the rest of the nodes is by continually hitting blocks. Because that would have to mean that you are a large portion of the network. But you'd have to get lucky. That's like winning the power. That's like going to the... It's actually harder. Exponentially harder. It's like buying a Powerball ticket for 100 days in a row and then winning the Powerball every single time 100 days in a row. It's not even like theoretically possible that would happen. It's like, it's like so just stupid. You're like, that's no fucking way. Can't happen. Can't. Well, that's how secure Bitcoin is. Well, we rambled on for a little bit. We talked a lot about Bitcoin. We talked about talked a little bit about shit coins, and we talked a little bit about why banks can't be trusted. And then we wrapped it up all with uh, kind of what Bitcoin is under the hood a little bit. Um. We'll be back. Uh, we're going to try to do this on... Not, no, actually, we're not going to say we're going to try. We're going to do this Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm going to see if I can't bring some people on. So it's just not me yapping into a microphone for an hour. Or a little over an hour in this case. I think we're at like an hour and two minutes. You know, I don't want to be yapping into a microphone for an hour and two minutes. You know, I want to kind of get some people on here. So we'll bring, we'll bring some opposing viewpoints. We'll bring some, you know, some... Ethereum Maxi, some you know, we'll bring some other people in here. We'll we'll talk we'll talk shop. Let me know what y'all want me to bring on here. Um, I know son of a tech. He's a crypto miner like myself. He's not a uh, to my to my knowledge, he's not a Bitcoin maximalist, or at least he doesn't identify as one publicly. Um, he's someone I want to have on here. Um, he's someone that's taught me a lot about mining and stuff like that. So it'd be I'd enjoy that quite a bit. I think y'all would as well. We'll see who else we can get on. Um, until next time, keep stacking stat, keep stacking sats, put them in cold storage. Don't trust no goddamn exchange. Get your sats off an exchange, put them in cold storage. Get yourself a cold card. Do your own research on what that is. No links, no sponsors, just me, value trading. If you enjoyed the podcast, let me know by sharing it with your friends and family, sharing it on Twitter. If you want to add me on Twitter, at ggfiend. And if you want to add me on Instagram because you like to listen to dog shit music, 
you can uh, follow me on Instagram at ggfian as well. All right, guys. Take it easy. Peace out. Stack sets.